This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. What the heck happened? It's coming on. Truman, you are on the radio. I tell you, we will try to join Truman in just a second. Looks like he is uh, playing with his headphones. Right now, a message from one of our fine sponsors. If you haven't been by Discount Mattress, stop on by. They're in their new home, 1647 Northwest Broad Street, next to Pinnacle Bank. You don't have to wait for big sales to save hundreds on a new mattress. Save now on top brands like Simmons, Serta, Englander, M. Lilly, and more. Their new warehouse, 1647 Northwest Broad Street, is absolutely stacked to the ceiling. So stop on in, same-day delivery or pickup at Discount Mattress, 1647 Northwest Broad, next to Pinnacle Bank. Hi guys, this is Mike Vrabel, head coach of the Tennessee Titans. During these uncertain times, like you, I'm focused on keeping my family and myself safe and healthy. While many areas of our lives have been put on hold, health emergencies are still taking place. Don't wait to seek treatment for an emergency. ERs at Ascension St. Thomas Hospitals are open 24-7 and have strict safety precautions in place. I'm sharing this message with all of my Middle Tennessee neighbors. Don't wait to seek treatment for an emergency. Go straight to the ER. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street in downtown Murfreesboro. We are very blessed to have volunteers, to have friends that are decorators that come in and merchandise our store and do our window displays that help with linens, that help with jewelry, that help just make the store look really nice. Proceeds from sales benefit Greenhouse Ministries, a faith-based nonprofit serving the underserved here in Murfreesboro. The Garden Patch Thrift Shop on Spring Street across from the tall NHC building French's Shoes and Boots has the hottest brands and unbeatable deals that you won't find anywhere else. While supplies last, get a great-looking pair of Ariat Women's Heritage R Toe Boots. These store try-on returns were $159.99 and now are just $99.99. This stuff is going fast, and these deals can't last. So hurry and get to French's here at the borough while the getting is good. It makes good sense to shop at French's. French's Shoes and Boots. 1837 South Church Street in Murfreesboro. Let's go over to our friends at Adams Place and visit with Truman Jones. Truman, how's everything with you today? Everything is getting better over here, Bart, and uh, just glad to be here this morning. Had a little uh, problem with the radio over here, but uh, how are you hearing me fine? You sound like you're right here with us. Okay, sounds good. Are we ready, big boy? Are we ready, Bart? Oh, yeah, you're on the air. Everybody's ready. All right. I uh, have J.D. Kennedy with me this Hello, morning. Hello, Truman. Hey, J.D., how are you this morning? Doing great. How about you? 
Oh, just terrific. Uh, it's always good to be over here at Adams Place. Yeah. They're, they're Be- such nice people. Beautiful facility. Yes, it is. And uh, you are an amazing person. You're uh, one of the top flyers that ever flew uh, in the Air Force. You got your uh, United States Air Force shirt on oh, this yeah. morning. And you're still a, a, an amazing patriot. And you probably know as much about airplanes and air flight as anybody I've ever known because we've had a number of conversations over the years about uh, when you were flying in in Vietnam and also when you first went to the Air Force Academy. Right. And uh, tell me a little bit about your background and then we're going to talk a little bit about the possibilities of what may have happened in the flight in Smyrna. Okay, I went to Air Force Academy and graduated in 1963, went to pilot training, and ended up in C-130s, and immediately went to Vietnam, and spent the next three years off and on in Vietnam, and then spent a full year after that. And I've seen every type of emergency known to man, I think. Got about 2,500 hours in the C-130. To give you an idea, in one year when I was only flying half of the year doing groundwork on the other half, I had 25 airborne emergencies and lost 16 engines. Mm. So I I know what emergencies are and I know what uh, planes are capable of, but I know what you're expected of you as a pilot, which we did not see that in this case. I was at the last two years. I was teaching people how to fly the C-130, and that put me in the stand of valve position for all C-130s, mm-hmm. so that every C-130 accident came through us, yeah. <laughs> where we could uh, try to learn from it, and did, and recreate. Uh, my greatest hero, of course, is Sully, Captain Sullenberger, who uh, taught me. Uh, taught us all uh, how to handle in-flight emergencies and control the peripheral people trying to help. Every person out there thinks that uh, their job's the most important in the world, which it is, and they want to help, but sometimes they can be a a problem instead of a help. And uh, Sully was smart enough that he listened to that chatter and he just said no. Mm-hmm. I said, I, uh, he taught it how, what he did is he already were taught on uh, what to do in case of an emergency. People say only one in 10,000 pilots could have done what he's done. I don't know. Uh, he just did what he knew what to do. Yeah. And he was in the right place. And uh, no matter how you judge him, and they tried to judge him, uh, he brought all those people in without <laughs> an injury <clears throat> on water in a river and had boats lined up to bring them in uh, is amazing and uh, he graduated 12 years after I did yeah uh, and, uh, I've helped people down that, uh, that like we used to call them the flying uh, country music singers mm-hmm. they'd get up above the smoke and they couldn't get down yeah. And so they'd call us in, and we'd go in, and we'd have to go full flaps, pull the power back, put gear down, everything, and hog it and tell them to come in and follow us and then take them down through the soup wow. and land them or, or they were done. Uh, we ha- saved many of the country music singers that way. They, uh, they just ran out of ideas. And the problem is that you've got an infinite number of people flying that really don't know what they're doing. Uh, they think they do. Mm-hmm. And uh, then in this particular situation that we're all interested in right now, you've got a dichotomy that uh, nobody can really understand. You can't judge it. I've I, I got a lot of ideas that might help other people get their ideas going. Uh, but first of all, you did not have a qualified pilot on the airplane. Yeah. You got one pilot that had been flying for a year, in, not in that airplane, and then the other pilot hadn't had a physical in four years. 
and the most dangerous thing in the world other than two pilots flying at the same time is two instructor pilots flying at the same time. And then you get confusion in the cockpit, uh, add emergencies to it, and all of a sudden uh, there's no answer. There, uh, I had a thousand thoughts on what, and everybody did. The first thought, whenever you hear of a plane going down within five miles of takeoff, you think fuel contamination. Well, that isn't going to happen at Seward or Smyrna Airport. John Black's crew is great. Uh, there's he no, does do a great job. Oh, man, yeah, they got a great facility. Yeah. And they wouldn't have done it if they had any knowledge of it. The only way they could possibly make your mind wander is if the pilot ordered the wrong fuel, if he didn't know what the hell he was doing. Yeah. Uh, but my first blush was that it was a, a fuel contamination. Then I said no. My second blush was that he probably didn't even do a checklist. You know, uh, we had one group of uh, religious people like that, that their idea of a walk around pre-flight was to sit in the cockpit and pray. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a checklist that you go step by step by step meticulously, even though you've done it a thousand times, you do it a thousand and one times before you take off. And uh, I think they could have missed something like setting the fuel properly so that uh, they had fuel in the tank, but they only had the fuel that was in the engine, and it could have flamed out after they got airborne. But uh, one of the <laughs> confusion factors is they said he hit at a high speed. And my first question, one of the many questions is, were the engines still running? Yeah. Uh, if you had... If you'd lost fuel, lost power, you wouldn't think you'd hit that hard because the, any pilot, even a bad pilot, would try and fly it mm-hmm. and not do this, not do a nosedive into it. So I'm thinking at the very best case scenario, you had confusion in the cockpit where you had two pilots fighting over it and the kids screaming. And uh, they just run out of ideas, but they didn't have a chance. And uh, now, now you go to the big boys, the uh, uh, FAA and NTSB and uh, John's people. John's people knows a hell of a lot more than we'll know because he had uh, cockpit recordings of the all the way to takeoff, maybe all the way to impact. And I'm sure that uh, there were some clues on that. He surely would say I lost power or I didn't lose power or I stalled or uh, little things like it. He could have left the control uh, in where he couldn't run the ailerons. Mm-hmm. And when he got up to speed, he couldn't have no an control anymore. <clears throat> we don't know what will happen, but we know it was quick. And we know that there's, they went into muddy water, <coughs> and there'll be a long, long time sorting what they can out of that. At one of my best friends went into Biloxi Bay, in a just before a storm in the mud, and uh, they didn't find enough to talk about, and I, they won't find much to talk about on these people. Uh, my brother has done a lot of this work on. Uh, flight uh, after accidents mm-hmm. said that uh, the joke or standard statement is no part bigger than a kneecap. Mm. You don't expect to find much. And in the mud, like uh, we talked to a diver this morning at the restaurant, you you can't you can't see anything. So yeah. you're doing it strictly by feel. Uh, it's my understanding they did find two parts of two engines and parts of the fuselage that was a couple of days ago so I'm sure they've found more since then uh, thin theory <laughs> on an accident like that they lay all those parts out in a hangar and recreate you start off first of all you're doing rescue obviously rescue didn't last very long then you go to recovery and then you go to try and put it back together and uh to make some semblance out of it. 
but you got to have more input than any of us have or any of the public has at this time to know where were the switches. They'll know that when they recreate the, the airplane and the people. Uh, they'll do physiological tests on the pilot, see everything he did in the last 72 hours. Check, uh, you can't do blood type on the parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't do an alcoholic test. Um, we, 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 don't, we just don't know anything yet until they get some more debris out of there. And, of course, find out what's a... And nobody's mentioned whether or not there was a black box. I don't know yeah. if that airplane had a black box. Of course, it's not black, but, I mean, the recorder, which the recorder would tell you what the engine was doing. Yeah. And that's critically important. Uh, you got to know what's, what it's doing. And uh, apparently there were people who watched it hit the water so they could tell you if they get calmed down where the engine's running. Yeah. Or not running. Did he stall? Did he fall? Uh-oh. He didn't get very high. There was one heck of an impact there. Yeah. And so much damage done. But then you have Percy Priest, who yeah. it was a very muddy. Yeah, a mud and, hole. And he came, his way, the way he came down and so much uh, damage was done to almost everything. It's, it's going to be an extremely long process. And it's going to be very difficult to put all the pieces back together again. Oh, maybe never. But um, what they do is you take what you have and then you extrapolate from that to say, well, this part's missing, but if it were here, what would this one do? And there was this switch here. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll be amazed at what they can find out with such little data. Yeah. Uh, Somebody like Larry that you talk to. Larry Williams. Yeah, they do this every day. and. Those guys are outstanding. Oh, they are. Oh. It's just brilliant. Uh, I mean, it, if you've ever been to a scene, which I have a number of times here in Rutherford County, and, and with uh, Larry Williams, I, I'm, I'm just totally amazed in awe of how they're able to accomplish what they do. And and they, they can pretty much, to the utmost point, tell you what happened after they get through with all the putting the puzzles back together and all the things and and uh, well you take all the stuff that you know yeah and then you work from there with conjecture and try and look for extra parts that will prove what you're seeing uh, we don't know if there's family problems we don't know if the kids were screaming. We don't know. Uh, did, were the pilots fighting over it? Uh, it's, how do you judge a flight that didn't have a qualified pilot and was full of people? Yeah. Had to be bedlam. Just bedlam. They they try to control that, don't they? All the uh, 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 airports and everything. Uh, they try to monitor it. But sometimes those things can slip through. Oh, yeah. Well, they own their own airplane, apparently. And their idea may be a light the fire and let's go. Yeah. You know, that you don't need anything else, and that's not true. I'd, I grew up a pragmatist, mathematic major, militarist, and you don't cut corners. Yeah. You know every step. Like one time, I got sent overseas immediately from pilot uh, from C-130 training, and they were having a party, going away party for a guy who had to go home. His wife was sick, and I was replacing him. So I didn't know anybody. They're all at the party, and I'm sleeping. Mm-hmm. They came, jerked me out of bed, and said, "You're going to go fly." So we went out and got an airplane. I'm sitting in the right seat, and I introduced myself to the pilot. And he says, aren't you going to get out your checklist? I said, I don't know what for. I said, why is that? And I said, I can't read a thing over here. 
and I was in a B model airplane, and I'd never been in a B model. It was, a, and a co-pilot's dash is tremendously different than a co-pilot's dash in a, a C-130E. And uh, I said, I don't know what the hell I'm doing over here. He's there. Take mine. Gave me his checklist, and he says, "We're going regardless whether you're qualified or not." And we went over and brought out the first 25 casualties out of the first time the Viet Cong invaded, uh, actually invaded one of our bases and blew our kids all to pieces. And What uh, year was that, J.D.? That would have been 1960. We get it right. 164. Yeah. Yeah, 64, early 65, late 64. <laughs> And uh, that wasn't Ladrang, was it? Hmm? It wasn't Ladrang, uh, was it? Ladrang. Yeah, that's one one of the big battles was fought. Well, so this this is the first time. This is when Westmoreland's aide got killed. Ah. Uh, and uh, then we bombed the hell out of New, uh, Hanoi the next day. Uh, but uh, I have flashbacks all the time about those kids. Yeah. That we hauled because. They all had shiny new class rings on. Mm-hmm. We had the 24, they did triage, and we had the 25 worst uh, that had a chance to live, and we lost one of them mm-hmm. on the way over there, uh, but we saved 24. Oh, and then all of a sudden, I'm a B-model pilot, and I don't know anything. And uh, so they had an instructor come out, Crawl up and get in the bunk, and we took him to flight and came back, and he said, he did great, and he got down and never asked me a question. That made me a B model. <laughs> so then I flew B's and E's all the time after that. Uh, how how, how uh, critical was it uh, going through the Air Force Academy and, and uh, all the things that you learned there as far as you were one of the best pilots during the Vietnam era? Uh, but we're going to take a quick break. Go for and it. And then we'll be right back. Go for it. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. A 66-year-old man is dead in a crash on Lebanon Pike in Rutherford County Wednesday. Officials say a woman driving a silver 2010 Ford Escape in the southbound lane of Lebanon Pike crossed the Devil's Center line, hitting the man's 2013 Toyota Prius, forcing it off the roadway into a ditch. Firefighters used hydraulic equipment to free the driver of the Prius, but he died about an hour later at Ascension St. Thomas Rutherford Hospital. Tennessee offering three tax-free holidays this year. Beginning July 1st and running for the next year, sales of gun safes and other firearm safety equipment will be tax-free. Clothing, school supplies, and computers can be bought without taxes July 30th and August 1st. And finally, on July 30th and running for a week through August 5th, food at grocery stores, restaurants, food trucks, and caterers will also enjoy a tax break. Final preparations are being made for the Great Tennessee Air Show. The U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds are the headliners for this year's air show in Smyrna. Other featured performers will include the U.S. Special Operations Command Parachute Team and the Quicksilver P-51 Mustang. The show is set for Friday and Saturday at Smyrna Airport. Governor Bill Lee has signed the permitless carry gun bill. A celebration was held at gun manufacturer Beretta USA's facility in Gallatin yesterday. The bill allows Tennesseans 21 and older and members of the military over 18 to carry open or concealed handguns without a permit. It also increases penalties for gun-related crimes. Socialize with us on social media. Log on to Facebook.com slash WGNS Radio and click the like button. Or follow us on Twitter at WGNS Radio. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Main Street Murfreesboro presents Friday Night Live Concerts starting June 4th with live performances in front of the Rutherford County Courthouse. First Friday of each month through September, bring your chairs and friends to the Murfreesboro Square for Friday Night Live Concerts starting at 6.30 p.m. Brought to you by Wilson Bank and Trust along with monthly sponsors T-Mobile, Michael Busey State Farm, and Middle Tennessee State University. Check out MainStreetMurfreesboro.org for more information. 
You don't have hot dogs or apple pie or no Chevrolet to drive, but we have some hickory smoke wings you're just dying to try. You'll try them, you'll like them, you'll give some to a friend. So on a dare, just stop on by and bring in a friend. Slick Pig Barbecue, 1920 East Main. WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. A few scattered showers and thunderstorms here this afternoon with cloudy skies, a high in the low 80s. Winds out of the southwest around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 67. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100, or go seeamovie.com. Popcorn, pop fresh daily. Their movie hotline, 896-4100, or go seeamovie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson From Heights. NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back with J.D. Kennedy. And All right. We're, a lot of th- we're talking about a lot of things and things that could happen in the experience of somebody like you. You've been through just about everything that can be done. Uh, you know how to uh, inspect your plane before and, and have all the things that are taken care of uh, that are going to correct your flight. Um, and I asked you a point uh, while we were off the air. How much is experience needed to be able to do all the checklists and then the emotional part of if something goes wrong while you're in in the air uh how do you how, how does that flow well, with somebody the, that's that the, but that, we got a caller uh go for it you want to do that yeah okay caller welcome aboard with jd kennedy hey jd and uh, truman appreciate you i always enjoy listening to jd when he's talking about airplanes he has such great experience and i I love him to death, and thank you for your service, J.D. I, uh, uh, of course, I was stateside sailor, so I, I didn't get to see nearly the, the uh, accident and have the experience that you do. But one thing that I, or a couple of things that you uh, talked about this morning that I, I, I wanted to uh, further uh, talk about, and that was, uh, uh, number one, I didn't know that the uh, second pilot was uh, in the cockpit. I had not heard that, so discussed that. And then the second thing was that uh, I thought maybe on the first glance with all the people aboard, luggage and everything, that the little citation was uh, uh, overloaded. So uh, I'll hang up and listen. And again, uh, uh, J.D., good talking to you. Uh, basically what he was saying, J.D.'s having a little trouble yeah. with, with his mic right now. Well, I can't hear very well. Okay. Uh, what he was wanting to know is, uh, with all the people that were there aboard and everything, and uh, basically asking uh, what could have gone wrong as far as the pilot there and, and all the checklist and all the well, things of course, that involved. You, you let your mind run on that. Yeah. When you get an emergency, and I've had hundreds. Somebody's got to take over. So this is it. And you don't want anything except what you ask them for. Yeah. Like Sully, they were telling him, go to Peterborough. No, I'm not doing that. And finally he said, no, I'm going to get wet. And then they, that was a whole new deal. Well, and the way I handled emergencies is they listened to me and gave input or to shut up. But if you have an unqualified pilot, uh, this is hearsay, but if you have an unqualified, hadn't had a physical in four years, flying with another pilot who'd only been a pilot for a year and never flown that airplane, 
It's one of the most dangerous situations you can have in an aircraft is have two pilots trying to fly the airplane at the same time, especially during an emergency. And neither one of them apparently knowing what they're going to do. Yeah. Uh, uh, this thing happened so quickly, uh, it's hard to imagine what went on in the last few seconds because we don't know whether it was power on, power off. We don't know if it was stalling. We <laughs> we assume it wasn't on fire. That they would have seen that. But whatever, he, he could have had a locked aileron where he didn't take the thing off. We don't know if he did a checklist. We don't know what he did, but they got themselves in a situation, and it could only have been exasperated by having two pilots there. Yeah. One pilot couldn't handle it. He that obviously. We got a phone call again. Go. All right, caller, welcome aboard uh, with J.D. Kennedy. Hey, Truman. Hey. Hey, uh, Mr. Kennedy, I want to thank you for your years of service you you give to keep us free. I want to ask you a question. Of course, I know you, out of respect, you probably can't comment much on it. And uh, <clears throat> But since we have so many uh, idiots in the White House now, and our vice president hates policemen, and she very much hates the military. Why do we still have to have a military personnel standing at the bottom of those steps to salute her? How come we can't move them away from there knowing that she hates them? And there's no telling what runs through her mind when she sees them. She probably laughs at her. And if they're also... Go ahead. We've had that problem. We've had that problem throughout. I'm getting an echo now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you have to follow protocol, and uh, we've noticed that, you know, in some presidents, the Marines don't turn with them, uh, showing the lack of respect. Some of them, they turn with them. But still, they're in command. They're your commander. And you have to show them the proper respect. And uh, the problem can only be solved at the ballot box. Uh, the military man can't tell you what kind of person we should have as a vice president or a president. He can only do the best he can do under those circumstances. Well, and, I understand uh, that. And I, I, that? I respect it. Go ahead. Uh, when, when, his, uh, when he comes back on and talking to us, it, it, it's causing a problem uh, with the echo type. Of thing yeah, I'm getting hearing. an echo. Yeah. Okay, uh, I, I appreciate that, that, that answer to that question, which I understand you're correct. But to show you how big of an idiot she is, if ever police officer, law enforcement, city, county, state, federal, and ever military personnel would register to vote, Next November, when election comes for the president, vote against that bunch. There ain't no way they can win. Thank you for your comments, and thank you for your years of service. Truman, keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you for calling in. Draw you a parallel. In Vietnam, we had a president which I totally, totally did not like. And I felt totally tried to get me killed on many occasions. Not purposely, but by not knowing what they were doing. But he was still our president. And so when I was in Vietnam, I felt I did my job. I was proud of what I did. Uh, I just had my doubts of what we were trying to accomplish. Uh, I used to tell the people back in Iowa, the farmers, when I'd come home, I'd say, if you can tell me if one thing is gained is victory, then I can tell you how we're doing, but until I know what we're trying to gain, I can't tell you how we're doing over there. Uh, you still have to show the respect. Yeah. And uh, in the long run, um, it, it, it's good for the people uh, that elect a person to know that he's there doing the best he can. And when you think about it, if a president has to make military decisions, you're not going to get uh, the best results out of it. It no. needs to be the military people, the general. Yeah, I often think, you know, even in today's world, J.D., 
you see a lot of mayors that take over the running of, of uh, police departments instead of letting the police yeah. chief run it. Yeah. And when you get away from that type of experience, you're going to have a lot of bad incidences, which, which is a, it, it's a shame, but nothing is perfect when you get right down to it. Well, when I grew up, you weren't supposed to have a policy. Yeah. You weren't supposed to be a Republican or a Democrat. You weren't even supposed to vote. Uh, I kind of broke that down when he came out. He could have been Democrat or Republican. He didn't know what he was. <clears throat> they both sides wanted him. Uh, but since then, it's been quite a difference. Uh, but you you still have to respond. They're the boss. Yeah. You have to show the respect. You don't have to like it. The but. parties have too much control. Uh, and a lot of times you see that t- being taken away from the people, and 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 that's that's not a uh, uh, a positive thing for us. We well, the parties are so divided. Yeah. They'll, they can't agree on anything. <laughs> See who can get the most money. Yeah. See who can bankrupt us first. Uh, but again, the solution comes in the midterm elections. Yeah. Uh, everybody's asking me, he says, what do you think Trump ought to be doing? I said, he ought to be working on the midterms. Yeah. He ought to be helping the congressmen, the senators, the governors. Let's rebuild a base, whether you agree with Trump or not. He's the best horse in the race. Yeah. You go for what the uh, results are rather than yeah. the personalities. He's a businessman. Yeah. Now tell me something. <clears throat> the airlines, I presume, are still hiring a lot of people who retire from the military. Is, is that correct? Yeah, but not like they used to because well, you don't have as many pilots as you used to. Yeah. When I went through the academy, you had to be pilot qualified to graduate. Now probably 10% become pilots. Yeah. The training you get in the military is is really as good as you can get anywhere. Oh, yeah. Yes. Now, when you have uh, uh, people who are going to become private pilots, and I've had a number of them over the years that have tried to get me to fly with them, and I just tell them they'll never get enough flight time for me to fly with them because I want if once you get up in the air, you want to have the best there is available that that's uh, ushering you wherever you go. Well, to draw the parallel, when I got done flying C one thirties, I said, if you can't be the best, then walk. Yeah, um, I'd fly with the airlines, but. Uh, I didn't want to fly the airlines anymore. Well, now, you guys, you see 130 pilots, when I was jumping, they wouldn't let me go up there and, and read your credentials. That would you, <laughs> But you guys... It's a little late. Well, I remember one that was really late because, well, you hit the wrong drop zone. Oh, yeah. Well, we'd go out there and drop the jumpers and come back in, <clears throat> excuse me, and just be so tickled. And uh, get cleaned up and go to eat. And then while we're walking in the mess hall, here the ambulance is coming in. <laughs> yeah. That took all the snap out of the jump. Yeah. But you guys, I mean, you really were. I love the C-130 pilots. You guys were right on target. It just seemed like all the time. Well, we trained and trained and trained and trained and trained to get it right. Had you, uh, had, did you ever want to? Fly something like the 15 or oh, yeah. some of the others. Well, the quick story, now, I don't want to go over it too much, but <clears throat> when I was getting ready to come back from Vietnam the last time, I had befriended a professor at the academy, mm-hmm. and he was in Hickam at Hawaii, and he was in charge of C-130 reassignments. And I spent a couple of days with him, and he says, you tell me what you want. I'll fix you. So I said, okay, I know exactly what I want. I said, I'm getting tired of being the duck at the duck hunt. I want to be I want to be a front seat F4 pilot. I've never heard it to sit. Yeah, well, I've been there. Yeah. And I said, I want to be a front seat F4 pilot. He said, well, let me work on it. You know, a month or so later, he said, I got it. You're in. 
you got a front seat F4, but you'll be back here in 365 days bombing Hanoi. Okay. My colonel friend who took care of my wife a lot more than I did, he was home more than I was, had used me in Vietnam where the new pilots that had been flying the desk for 20 years had to do one more tour to retire. He'd get them out of C-130 school, take them to the Clark Air Force Base in the Philippines, and teach them how to fly, but on a great big fat run, run, run you can't teach them much. And then he'd send them in country with me. So in essence, I was an instructor pilot way before I knew it, took years before I figured out what what was going on. But because of that, he got me the job as the youngest instructor pilot ever at the C-130 school. Well, how do you tell your wife? Mm. I'd like to come home and spend every night with you, darling, yeah. but I'd rather go get killed. Yeah. And so I had to give up that for I think we've got another caller. Uh, hey, guys, it's on the screen. We've got another caller. Maybe it wasn't. Hi. He just went off. <laughs> yeah. Didn't take long to solve his mystery. Yeah. <laughs> now, you guys are, you're going through the best training in the world when you when you go flying in something like war zones and oh, you've yeah. been instructed to go through like that. What is the difference in what you're doing there and, 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 and say, uh, uh, when when you go through the top military training, uh, kind of like uh, what Jimmy Taylor used to have to go through, what what is what is the difference? Well, basically, talking about Top Gun. Yeah, do you, of course, he was in fighters, and yeah. we all dream of being in fighters. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> do you get to select whether you want to be? No, but <clears throat> they. They'd come down with a list each time, like when we graduated from the academy, they give us a list of all the pilot training schools. Mm-hmm. And we were in that pecking order. And when your order came up, you punched the button. Mm-hmm. And you took the best available. Oh. Well, what I got was a C- uh, T-37s and T-33s, which was an old Korean War airplane, whereas all my buddies went in F-5s. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was kind of cut from the chaff right to begin with, uh, which made me mad at the time. But then there, I wouldn't have traded my time to see 130 for anything, uh, even though I would love to have flown the fighter a little bit. The C-130 was my, has been has, has been around a long time. 1956. You know? And and many of them are, I guess, the original C-130s are still flying. Is that very few, Very few. There's... Like there's A B oh, C D E. <coughs> I flew B's and E's, and I don't think there are any E's in the Air Force inventory anymore. Yeah. I think they're all J's, which is that corkscrew prop and a big elongated body. And uh, of course, the great statement on that is, "This is not your grandpa's C-130." Yeah. Uh, but it's a tremendous airplane, and they're. Uh, back in the 50s, 60s, they didn't have an Apollo on airplane. They don't have one now. Yeah. They've developed some jets that have come close. but you, And now they're even trying to make the, the <coughs> C-130 land on water, put some skis on it. They already have been landing on ice and snow for years and years and years with a D. Yeah. Uh, it's the most versatile airplane in the world. Has the most armament of any fighter, with a howitzer and the two Gatlin guns. Yeah. And now it's my understanding they're going to replace the howitzer with a laser, which will really make it a tremendous thing. And in my era, I was around Puff, which is very simplistic, a little two-engine uh, World War II airplane with a one Gatlin gun. And now they have ump- umpteen guns, and they're radar controlled and. But it sure was uh, something else. Oh, it, it, uh, it changed the many battles. Yeah. It, the, uh, I, I know one, they showed us one demonstration of a town that had three anti-aircraft guns. 
and they sent the fighters in only hit those three. Mm-hmm. So they shot down the North thing. Then they brought in Puff. And Puff just got in a big circle flying around, looking through a little metal loop mm-hmm. with a doorbell buzzle, buzzer, and he went, and there was no town. Yeah. They were unbelievable. No town. Yeah. Now, let, let, let's go back to the other thing. Uh, okay. In a, in a way. It, when, say, say I'm a, a, a private uh, uh, pilot. Okay. And I get... And before I take off, before I have everything done, does anybody, what kind of records are there? Does anybody know, uh, how does he uh, tell everyone that he's going to be taking off at a certain time? Oh, yeah, you're in constant contact. Uh, of course, you do your own stuff first, uh, pre-flight. The inspections, yeah. And uh, then uh, the engineer uh, does most of that, and then the pilots come on, and we start the engine, do all that sort of stuff. But then you go under control of the FAA, mm-hmm. and you get permission for takeoff. And, uh, uh, <coughs> howdy. Hey, Larry Williams just walked in. I did. Put a headphone on. J.D. Kennedy. How are you? Put a headphone on, Larry. All right. Uh, I mentioned you earlier. You you worked a number of accidents here in in the county, and I'm telling everybody how much I respected what you were able to do. (laughs) Well, thank you. Uh, And... uh, J.D. has been explaining some of the things, and we're into the part right now, is before that pilot takes off, how much do we have to know about him being able to fly that plane? Has anybody inspected that particular aircraft and everything uh, else? It varies so much what his military is being. Yeah. In this case, Larry, and I don't want to interrupt it, uh, we don't know what went on with this pilot. No, um, all we know, he took off. Mm-hmm. He got in the clouds at uh, 1,300 above the, yeah. the ground, because that's what the old yeah. gas was. Uh, he was cleared to 3,000 feet, and uh, the radar track shows some fluctuation. He never leveled off. Mm-hmm. And then when he made that last turn, uh, airspeed, went up to 299 knots. Mm. Uh, the maximum operating speed for that airplane, give or take, is 260 knots. Wow. And the last uh, two tracks on the radar, he went from 2,800 to 800 feet, which is only 260 feet above the ground, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, he did that in six seconds, which equals 20,000 feet per minute. Whoa. Or 220 or 30 miles an hour. Yeah. Can we assume the engines were still running? How would you have that much power fluctuation without the engines running? Yeah, I, I think they were, plus... Uh, I saw where a witness, well, David Wilson, who lives about a half mile from there, said he heard real high speed. And when it hit the water, he said it shook his house. Mm. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's an amazing impact there. And apparently there were no witnesses. No one saw it. They heard it. Heard it. Yeah. Yeah. Was there any vocal from the pilot? To anybody at the, the last uh, transmission was they turned him over to uh, Nashville Departure, and then Nashville Departure gave him a higher altitude, and he never answered. I don't think. Mm. So basically, it's just <clears throat> it's it's a real enigma right now. I mean, everything yeah. that yeah. happened. Yeah. Uh, it, it, would there have been a cockpit recorder on that? No, not required. No, I wouldn't think so. A no, flight data recorder not required for that smaller airplane. No. Yeah. I mean, it's flight has come a long way in all the things that you can measure and, and record yeah. and, and all that. Uh, 
would there be something like a black box? No. On, on this no, 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 no. Especially because they're really orange. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> there's no black box. Thank you very much, Larry. I appreciate it. No, there's not. That's one of the questions. Very He's, colorful statement yeah, you just that's, made. That's bar talk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you, you guys do such an, uh, an amazing job in in tracking everything that happens before and after. Especially uh, now. You know, years ago we didn't have all this, but uh, anyone can get on the Internet and track airplanes and, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, where they are, who they are. Uh, well, not who they are. <clears throat> you can be exempted if you want to be exempted. Take your in number and tell them not to put that on fly to where it's called yeah but uh you can still see an airplane where it goes yeah. and, all that. and someone put a, this radar track out on the youtube and did a good job of it yeah. with the with the uh, atc radio in the background how many seconds and all that mm-hmm. but it's still going to be very difficult to put all this together isn't it yeah well no idea what was going on inside the airplane. No. Mm-mm. And won't. Probably not, no. My brother did a lot of FAA films and stuff like this for uh, collision avoidance and that sort of thing. And he says that uh, on an accident this bad, the nomenclature for a doctor, which they're pretty basic, is nothing bigger than the kneecap will be found. And that's probably true. Yeah, and that's a heck of an explosion going into the water like that, and and all of us that know Percy Priest, it is there's so much mud there, and when he goes in and everything is going every different direction. Yeah, how it would be very difficult. You're one of the best I've ever seen. It'd be very difficult to go in there and do a complete job like you normally it's going to be real difficult to getting all the parts out of there because it's so you can't see your hand in front of your face then yeah there. and it's only seven feet deep which means it, it's probably went down in the mud in the mud yeah my buddy got killed in biloxi bay what went straight in and uh, they finally got in some blowing things blowing sand up and then sifting it never did find anything yeah little bitty pieces how how long do you think they will work on that over there, Larry, the the site of where it happened? Cause it all depends on how long it takes to get all the parts up. And uh, once they get it up there, just it depends on how many people they have here, too, uh, three, four, five days, a week or so. The way it hit that water, are, are you going to be able to give much feedback into uh, – it, this is maybe the most complicated one I ever remember. Yeah, uh, a lot of people think you can land on the water like mm. like Sully did, which was yeah. a miracle. Yeah, but uh, you hit the water; it's like hitting concrete. Uh, I've worked accidents that that tried to land on the water, but you know they yeah. didn't hit perfect like Sully did, and it went underwater. And, <clears throat> and well, you can critique Sully for ten years, and he did nothing wrong. Yeah. He's a master. Yeah. Um, well, this one, the way it hit, though, it, it, it's not like he was trying to land on that water, is it? No. It looked like he just lost complete control of that plane as it yeah. was going straight Now, down. it could have been a uh, control failure. We don't sure. know. Uh, but he never, he never advised anyone he was having trouble. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, he could have left the control uh, block on the ailerons and not been able to rise and climb. Too late for that. He did too much stuff before that. Yeah. Will they try to put as as much as they can find? Can they try to piece that plane back together? Yeah, as much as they can, yeah. Now, and as I was telling him, in this course of this, this is your business, not mine, uh, They'll go back 72 hours to figure out everything he did. Yeah. They'll know everything he had to eat, drink, smoke, whether he was having marital problems, bank problems, uh, any contributing factors, trying to find something that makes sense. But uh, it happened so quickly that you're not going to find much sense. Yeah. 
How long do you think they'll they'll work on this? And will there be a point where they just throw their hands up and say, "Well, they'll work on it until they run out of ideas." Yeah. And then they'll put all that data together and go to Washington with it and sit down for it. <clears throat> they say it's going to take a year to two years. I don't know why it would take that long, but and then they'll put it all together and. The staff will come up with a recommendation to the board in TSB on what they think was a probable cause, if they come up with a probable cause. The first accident I worked in uh, Alaska, uh, this guy basically got into the clouds and hit the side of a cliff going about 180 miles an hour. <laughs> and we all knew what happened. Yeah. But I looked it up a few months ago, and the NTSB says, the probable cause was undetermined. <laughs> Hitting a mountain is a pretty good yeah. cause. Now, what what would bring a reaction like that? I don't know. Maybe there's no... I, I don't know. Of course, they had no witnesses. Well, they did have a witness. This, this uh, pilot was known to go through weather that other pilots wouldn't. And he was going up to a lake to pick up some fishermen. Up there, they have cabins. Yeah. And uh, I think someone else had tried it the day before. Well, he he tried it that day, and he was about 20 feet short. Oh, wow. So uh, it hit so hard, you know, he pulled it. It was a seaplane, so he, it looked like he pulled it up when he saw the mountain, and it hit the, the, the floats, and <clears throat> the engine separated and went up over and into the lake. We never found the engine. That's unbelievable. That's what I said. <laughs> well, Winter Park's ever place on this curse wreck with a Thunderbird? They I don't found know. the engines across the street, I heard. I don't know. I don't remember that. Uh-uh. You remember where the fighter... Yeah, yeah. ...where it dinged in. I, would, I wouldn't want your job. I, well, I don't have a job anymore. Well, I'm like you. You're retired. That's right. No problem. (laughs) But but haven't you have to have an enormous uh, amount of fortitude, you might say, to even tackle some of those things? Because I've I've watched you out there working, and and. well, I, I, I just wouldn't have the time. I appreciate you it. saying that, Truman. You watched me working. Yeah, I yeah. did watch you work. <laughs> <laughs> but your temperament and everything else that goes with that job is, is just unbelievable. But you can't but hurry you, it. But you, no, but you have to have a tremendous amount of knowledge to even tackle something like that. How much training do you go through to be able to uh, well, make that puzzle work? In order to become an FAA inspector, you have to have experience, either a pilot or a mechanic, and I'm the pilot side. Yeah. And so we have thousands of hours of flying before we even go to work, and they send us to uh, school, yeah. the FAA Academy in Oklahoma City, and... Uh, one course is two weeks. You go back and get another two weeks, and some is basic, some is advanced, and then they have one uh, cabin just to, just to investigate the cabin and uh, rotorcraft. So it's it's a lot of a lot of uh, training. How much time to say uh, on an aircraft like this? How much time would it take to thoroughly check all the things that you need to check? Uh, on on your plane before you take off. I mean, the pre-flight? Yeah. Well, you have a checklist, and you walk around, and you should check whatever they they recommend. Yeah. And then you get inside and get it ready for takeoff. And nowadays, with all the automation, you'll spend 10 or 15 minutes programming yeah. the, uh, the flight. So 30 minutes... So if you see someone walk out and jump in the airplane and crank it up, they haven't done a very good pre-flight, and yeah. I have seen that. No, <laughs> we used but to. But that's irresponsible, isn't it? Oh yeah, pilot is the sole responsible to determine the airworthiness of the aircraft. Wow. And this aircraft was built for a single pilot, so most of the switches and controls is on the left side, mm-hmm. where other aircraft are. They're spread out a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. yeah. Now, how much weight do you know that 
would this aircraft uh, be able to carry? Most small airplanes, and this is one, if you fill it up with fuel and fill it up with people, you add or overgross. Uh, these little airplanes you see flying across the street, uh, a four-place airplane, mm -hmm. most of those, if you fill it up with fuel and four 200-pounders, you probably overgross. And I don't know, well, they'll, they'll, the NTSB and FA will try to figure out what the weight was, but there's no form you have to fill out. Like in air carriers, they had to fill out a form. Yeah. And, and center of gravity, too. That's what I was wondering. Does he even know what a center of gravity was? Weight and balance. You I know? don't know. We don't know. We, we can't know. All we can do is ask the question. Now, do you have any idea where he went to flight school at, this particular individual? I do not. Uh, you could go to schools approved by the FAA. It's called uh, training centers. Uh, and they have courses for every particular aircraft and simulators, which is the way to go. You don't want to train in the airplane if you don't have to mm -hmm. because you can do a lot more in the simulator than the airplane. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, but he could have gone somewhere and hired an instructor and got some flying time and hired a what's called a designated pilot examiner to give him his uh, check ride. I don't think you'd almost have to be a little bit. Well, I don't want to use that word. But to be in the air, to be perfectly honest with you, and have all that responsibility and all the things that could or may happen, uh, I think I'd want the, the best training that I could find. Yeah, me too, yeah. And, and know a whole lot about that particular aircraft yeah, that I had in the air. Especially if you're not a full-time professional-type pilot. And I know guys across the street that have their own airplanes, and they go to Flight Safety is, is the name of the, one of yeah. the bigger schools, and they go every six months to a year. A lot of times the insurance requires that. matter of fact, most of the time they do. But they they go anyway. And in this airplane, if it's a type-rated airplane, which it is, that means you have, you have C-500 on your pilot certificate. You have to take a check ride every year. Mm -hmm. Just like the original check ride. Uh, so I don't know when his last one was. I don't know where he was trained. I don't know. But knowing people like you, you're if you were working on this one, you, you would be working on everything that yeah, I'm could sure, possibly be done. I'm sure they have people already pulling all those records and things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I, that, that would worry me if if we were allowing... Uh, these private pilots to go up with maybe not the proper training that they need. Oh, they'd scare you to death. Yeah. And it's hard to enforce. There's just not enough inspectors. You know, this. Now, over here at Murfreesboro, uh, uh, where we have our uh, flight place here, airport, uh, they're pretty tight on that from what I can understand as far as who's going up and what they're particular qualifications are. And I know they do that in Smyrna. I mean, they're pretty tight in Smyrna. Yeah. John's got a good operation over there. Yeah, but as we grow, uh, as far as being able to uh, judge each aircraft as it goes up in, in the air, is there a lot we need to do here to make the uh, airways safe and, and the communities safe uh, here in Rutherford County? I think we're doing a pretty good job. Uh, what happens at little airports like this, if someone sees a pilot that might be a problem, they can report it to the FAA and they can do it anonymously. Yeah. And they'll look into it. I did that quite often. I caught one uh, pilot who had been flying a Cessna Citation and another airplane and never had a pilot certificate. He'd been flying for years. Wow. Someone called in and said, I don't think he's got a pilot certificate. Now, looked it up, couldn't find him. And uh, Now, what do you do with somebody like that? Well, you meet him at the airplane when he comes in from a flight from Las Vegas yeah. with a state trooper just in case. and uh, A state trooper? Yeah. <laughs> Did he have his... Uh, <laughs> Radar system. Well, well, you know, it's a state law. He yeah. could have arrested him and taken him to jail, but yeah. uh, we went with a civil penalty. And he, part of the 
agreement was that he would uh, get get his ratings. He had no excuse. He just never did get around to it, but he learned to fly. And he would take all of his checkout rides with an FAA inspector, and I think he paid $200,000 civil penalty. Whoa. Hmm. Well, if you got a jet, you got plenty of money, you know. So. <laughs> That'll take care of some of it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've run out of time, but uh, I really appreciate you coming on with J.D. and myself. And, and uh, I know that even though you're not working on it, you're extremely interested in what's going on with it. Yeah. Because this, this is an unusual situation. I've never seen anything like this. But I'm sure you have. Yeah. Over yeah. the years, maybe not as much mud as it does over here, Percy Priest. But uh, um, it, it, it's such a, a sad, sad thing as to what happened and and all the expectations of what could have happened and should have happened or whatever. And and uh, uh, I want you to keep me up with it. Uh, I know you you you'll be going on. All right. And, and, and maybe uh, after all this is. Uh, the, all the things that are going on with, with uh, happening now, maybe we can uh, get uh, uh, Mr. Black on, and, and uh, you, and we can get JD on again because yeah. we can cover everything when we go That's in right. that direction. We can ask John when the airlines are going to start flying in this morning, right? I'm ready. Hey, <laughs> let's when, are, when are they? Yeah. <laughs> Smart has come a long way. Oh, it's really? Oh, yeah. Jesus. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, well John's going to watch most of that. Yeah. Steve had a great operation, but John took it and made it fly. Yeah. And uh, <coughs> it's one of those places over there we're blessed to have that airport here yeah. in our community. We, we well, really think are. of any other city in the state that has what we have out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we will see you in the morning at 9 o'clock. All right. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.